Dear listener, we hope that you've been enjoying the variety of podcasts that we have on our network. Now is your opportunity to help us by telling us a little more about you. Please visit jcastnetwork.org survey and complete our listener survey so that we can learn more about you and your listening habits. Again, please visit jcastnetwork.org survey. Thanks so much. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romamu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. This census really was quite different from the one 40 years earlier. First of all, did you catch that there were women in there? The Israelite census has been the domain of men, but in Parshat Pinchas, we read women's names. For the first time, women are counted in Israelite society. We meet the sisters Tzalof Chad. They enter the tent of meeting, the center of power without invitation, and collectively take a stand before Moshe and all of the male leadership. These five women, who became matron saints of suffragists and other change makers throughout centuries, secured the first land ownership for women. And we read the name Serach Bat Asher. Blink and you might miss her in the census, but Serach Bat Asher, her name sounds eerily familiar. Why? If you roll back the scroll, Back to the beginning of Exodus, amazingly, you will find Sarah Bat Asher. She was a favored granddaughter of Jacob. She came down to Egypt with her whole mishpucha 400 years ago. Miraculously, she survived centuries of slavery and became a wise grandmother leader. According to Midrashic tradition, it was Sarah who crowned Moshe as the head of the Israelites. It was Sarah who, during the chaotic night escaping Egypt, divined the location of Joseph's bones and brought them with the fleeing slaves. Sarah would not leave anybody behind. Benot Slovchad and Sarah Bat Asher remember them. They represent strong voices of leadership for the generation on the cusp of the promised land. They call out for the rights of those previously ignored, those not counted, they call for inclusivity and teamwork. They leave no one behind. So did anyone here watch the convention this week? <laughs> like many of you, I'm really cynical about conventions. And considering that systemic racism pervades while we have an African-American president, I have no illusions that institutional sexism would go anywhere fast despite a woman commander-in-chief. And yet, watching the convention this week, I couldn't help the pride rising up like sap, even as I tried to remain skeptical. Has there ever been a convention with so many powerful women leaders? From Madeleine Albright to Geneva Reed Veal, the mother of Sandra Bland, to Ima Matul, a survivor and leader in the fight against human trafficking, to Chelsea Clinton, and of course, Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton. Not only women, 
but voices of leaders from across ethnic, gender, racial, sexual orientation, spectra. Facebook, I don't know about yours, but mine was awash with photos of the all-gender bathrooms at the convention center. The rallying cry was an inclusive gesunte we. As Reverend William Barber preached, and if you haven't heard him run, don't walk to listen to his speech after Shabbat, he said the watchword of this democracy and the watchword of faith is we. I remember back 20 years ago, Bill Clinton inaugurated and my Wellesley a cappella group was called to DC to sing at all of the parties honoring Hillary Clinton. The last song, we sang it together with her. It was a song written by another Wellesley alumna, America the Beautiful. And when we reached the end and crowned thy good, we screamed from our kishkas with sisterhood. And we felt the possibility that somehow, someday, a woman would shatter this country's thick glass ceiling. Watching last night, no matter what you feel about the Clintons, so many of us cried as Hillary Rodham Clinton walked across that stage in suffragist white to a somewhat ridiculous pop song. <laughs> in Parshat, in Parshat Pinchas, moments from entering the promised land, we wait with bated breath. Who will this promised land belong to? Will it be a radically inclusive group with Serach Bat Asher and Benot, the daughters of Slofrad? Forty years earlier, after all, our people stood at a similar precipice. The previous generation was poised to claim the promised land, and fear, fear stopped them in their tracks. Fear of the unknown, fear of the other, of what or who lurked in the shadows waiting to pounce. And what was the stark consequence of this fear? Extinction. The moment they chose to retreat inward, to resist movement forward, they were condemned to die in the wilderness. And in the excited faces of the Israelites standing with Moshe and Joshua in Parshat Pinchas, you can see the shadow of their parents and Sel Pachad, the shadow of fear in their faces, the fear that kept their ancestors from the promised land. And this tension also plays out today at the intersection between our Torah reading cycle and the Jewish calendar year. In this moment in Torah, we begin, we see just the gleam of the promised land on the horizon. And at that moment of illumination, we enter the darkest period of our year, the three weeks lurching toward the devastation of Tisha B'Av, where we lament the destruction of our sacred home in Jerusalem and our exile from the very land we are about to enter into in our Torah reading. And why were we exiled? Our rabbis teach it was for divisiveness, for baseless hatred, and for fear. For many Ashkenazi and Sephardic Jews, our ancestors saw this country as the promised land, the golden Medina, they overcame their fear of the unknown in order to achieve their wish to be counted. 
For African Americans and women of all race and faith, it has taken longer. And today, we are a nation afflicted with fear and divisiveness. The roll call has ended, the census formally closed, the glass ceiling has taken a hit, and the balloons have dropped. What will we do next? Will we retreat in fear? Will we culti cultivate hatred and risk extinction? Or will we go up into the land as a nation hearkening to voices of inclusivity, of progress, of wisdom and diversity? Will we cultivate leaders unheard in generations past? Who among us will be counted? <laughs>